All right. All right. Kelly, Joe, how you guys doing today? Hot. Hot, hot. Us Oregonians can't take it when it gets above 90. Ah. So it's above 90 where you are, huh? Well, tomorrow it's supposed to be 106. We're oh, wow. all going to melt. You know, that is kind of hot. Yeah. I, I'm a little casual today. You know I, what? I'm, I'm casual too. Pink. You Joe is wearing her I Love Audit shirt. Pink and it's pink and Robert's That Audit Guy shirt. So I am like, I'm sporting both of you today. So yes. if you need an I Love Audit shirt, www.thatauditguy.com. You know what I was? Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, and um, our friend Benita, I just got off the uh, Zoom with her. Guess what shirt she has on? And she's going to be joining. We uh, recorded a session with our shirts on. So Robert never got of us. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just makes me smile. You know what? I wonder if they have an emoji of someone who is just hot and sweating from the humidity. <laughs> oh, I think there is. <laughs> so so you guys know what time it is drop that emoji into the chat that signifies the mood that you're in right now and i really want to know why jana is sad maybe you can tell me a little bit later i know you probably don't want to disclose all that right now but isn't that a sad emoji yeah i don't like to see people sad so uh, but we'll make them happy you know, we definitely can and will make them happy. You guys give me, there we go. Uh, Hal is, I, I'm not quite sure what Hal is doing today, uh, but he's he's doing something. Must be raining. Naisha is saying that this is going to be good. It is. Hang on to your hats. Real good. Joe is in a fairly, oh, Joe is sweating. That's Kelly's emoji. All right. The, the hot sun. And here's Alicia. Alicia has the sun emoji. Alicia, where are you? Where do you live where it's that hot? Because that looks like really, really hot. That, that almost looks like Beelzebub hot. Hal says it's pouring there. So what you need is, yeah, a rainy day emoji. Hal needs a rainy day emoji. You guys, I'm so happy to have you guys here today because today we have some special announcements to make. Uh, as you can see, there's my mood. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back to normal. Whatever normal is, <laughs> whatever normal is. Hey, Jacina is here and she's in Vegas. I didn't know you lived in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's really hot there. The temperature on the thermostat is hell. That's the temperature. You know, one time I actually was in Vegas and it rained so bad that the streets flooded on the strip. And because a lot just poured down in like a very short period of time. And they said that that hardly ever ever happens there. We'll get back to some of the other emojis in just one moment, but what we're going to do is go to our announcements. Listen, guys, the Friday Frosters is now, Friday Frostster is now a podcast officially. Um, we are on at www.fridayfrostster.com. You can see all of the past episodes. Yes, I have gotten us caught up. We are up to date on all the episodes. Well, except for today's, obviously. So, again, FridayFroster.com. Now, here's some other news, though, guys. 
We are also on your favorite podcasting platform. We are on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Deezer, and Ghana. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. The last one is uh, over in Asia. It's a big uh, Indian podcasting platform, and we have been getting a lot of hits over there. So to all my Indian friends, thank you very, very much for watching and listening to us. The other announcement that I have is since you guys watch us and you kind of like us because you keep coming back, you can now get CPE credits for simply watching the show. If you go to FridayFroster.com, you will see how to get those credits there. They are, well, less than a cup of coffee. So how about that? You get to enjoy us. Well, you get to enjoy Joe and Kelly and you get to put up with me. And for a very tiny fee, you get to get CPE credit. How about that? Now, here's another announcement, though. Starting either next week or the week after, Joe and Kelly don't even know about this one. I'll be doing my own thing, too. So on Wednesdays, either next Wednesday or the Wednesday after, we're calling it Audit Bites. It'll be about 10 to 30 minutes, just depending. Uh, you will get CPE credits for that, too, because now you can get what they call nano or some people call them micro credits. So what we're going to do is just talk about things that auditors really want to talk about, but are oftentimes too afraid to talk about. Every once in a while, I'll have a guest. But for the most part, it is just going to be little old me. What do you think about that, Kelly and Joe? You know what? I think it's awesome. And um, there are schools around the country in the U.S. that they make listening to podcasts part of their syllabus and their curriculum. And so obviously it's working. And I mean, I love podcasts. I have a podcast. I like learn so much. So I just think this is amazing. Yeah. You want to hear something really interesting? Our good friend Pozo. Pozo is uh, a college instructor and she makes her students listen to podcasts and things like that. She actually made them listen to the episode of the corporate quitters that she was on. <laughs> so Pozo's in a good mood today. She's kind of upside down, but she's always kind of upside down. Hal says return to normal. I guess we mean that in more ways than one, my friend. And Joe politely put up the website, FridayFraudster.com. Now, Bonita is in a good mood, but when is Bonita not in a good mood? And you guys, my friend Karina is here. Karina is an artist who has multiple talents. You may have seen her on last week's episode of the Corporate Critters podcast. Now, Hal is saying it's Friday. It should be the cost of a cocktail, not the cost of a coffee. You know what, Hal? It's actually cheaper than a cocktail. I don't know when the last time you went out, my friend, but my goodness, the last drink I paid for was astronomical. They wanted an arm and a leg and the deed to my home. Now, Bonita says, no way it keeps getting better. Bonita, I'm assuming you mean my announcement of me doing a solo podcast. And my friend, I thank you for that, because if you think that's getting better, then that means you must really be my friend. Karina is in a really good mood. And as a true artist, she has a lot of different emojis and Pozo is saying that she makes her kids listen to those podcasts for extra credit. So now I think I I think I sent Pozo a great podcast um, interview with Tim Cook, the Apple CEO. Oh. Uh, Pozo, if that I think that was you. I think we talked about it because we uh, it was great. Maybe Kelly, did we talk about this one? It was about his view on privacy and uh, was it with Kara Swisher? 
That sounds very familiar. Yes. Yeah. I think we I'm didn't talk about that. Yeah. So I think Rosa made her students listen to that one too. And it's a good one. Nice. Now, Benita's laughing. CPE for Friday Froster. That's right, Benita. CPE for Friday Froster. So while we're here, let's just dive right into our first story. Now, you guys know I like to come up with these crazy titles. So this one I entitled Kitty Crimes. Hmm. <laughs> right, I'm going to start right off the bat with hashtag it's position, not gender. Yeah, right off yep. the bat. And in just one moment, you'll see exactly why Kelly said that. So here's our first story. According to arrest records, 47-year-old Romney Manuel, who was a former program consultant with the Louisiana Department of Education. Now, he allegedly used, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I've got to clear my throat when I say this, you guys, because I want you to listen to these words. Hold on tightly to those words that I'm, to these words that I'm about to say. And, well, let me just continue. <clears throat> Allegedly, he used a series of programming techniques to steal money from the system and then took extensive measures to try to cover up his trail. Now, as we finish this story, I want you guys to just judge for yourself how extensive these programming techniques were and what the extensive measures were. They're saying that he's responsible. He was responsible for ensuring that the Louisiana child care providers had funds necessary to operate during the pandemic. So federal relief funds again. Right. The affidavit explains that Manuel's responsibilities with the Department of Education was, well, this is what he did. He was employed by the LDOE in the Office of Early Childhood Operations. He was responsible for, get this, entering information into the child care provider grant tracking system and into the tracking information payment system. I think we see something wrong there already, but the report continues that manual entered the information required for child care providers to obtain child care development fund funds allocated through the Federal CARES Act. Then he also distributed these funds to child care providers through the Louisiana Child Care Assistance Provider Grants Program. They're saying he used his position to obtain funds illegally. Here's what they're saying he did, allegedly at this point. <clears throat> he manipulated the data in the LDOE computer program to make it look like a child care center that had closed in 1997 was still open. They say he used this non-existent child care center called Nanny's Learning to obtain a total of $74,250 in funds. He pocketed that money for himself and According to investigators, they they uh, uh, did a warrant. They searched his home. When they searched his home, they discovered that he was working with a second individual named Demetric Scott and that they had planned to invest that money in Robin Hood investment accounts. Joe, Kelly. Well, I like where you ended that because I could we could do a whole segment on Robin Hood <laughs> but that's not really fraud. So we maybe won't go there, but it's definitely a hot topic for ethics on my mind. Um, but um, yeah, I think you kind of alluded to lack of segregation of duties. Um, I personally. Uh, it reminded me of a fraud a company that I've worked for had when it came to using 
um, kind of that closed childcare center. So same mentality, uh, it was actually annuities, the financial services company, uh, someone died, but the person got the death certificate and kind of put it in their drawer and said, well, I'm gonna just change the address on this annuity to come to me now. I'm not even gonna report that this person passed away. So um, huge fraud uh, at an organization that I worked at. So to me, very similar, what are the controls around you know, making sure when you get that documentation that it actually happens, that it's actually closed, it's actually. So anyway, that's kind of where my audit brain went right away. Yeah. And I think of like the old child care center is just like an old bank account that, you know, and how hard is it to verify? Like, honestly, just calling up all the child care centers once a year or sending them a form with a postage paid, like, this again, hashtag, it's not rocket science, like, you know, but, and I don't think you said. It's oh. existence testing to all of us that are used to those, uh, you know, completeness, accuracy, existence, you know, this is existence in a nutshell. So you hit it there. Yeah. And it's like, again, um, it was a tip. I think I read on the other story, it was a tip that, you know, found it was, you know, someone probably was like, how come he's driving a new Tesla or whatever, you know, whatever. And um, so again, hashtag tips find fraud. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we look at all the data from the uh, uh, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, most fraud is found due to tips. And it, it was an anonymous uh, person called up and said he's stealing and they investigated and found sure enough, he was stealing. But let you know what? Let's go back to one thing uh, from earlier. He allegedly used a series of programming techniques to steal money from the system and then took extensive measures to try to cover up his trail. Now, remember last week we talked about how PR really is doing a disservice to people when they put out things like this, because let's just be frank about this. This man had access to too many different systems. He had access to go in and make changes to child care provider status from active to inactive. He also had the ability to set up new child care providers. He had access to the system to go in and uh, determine where the payments were being sent for child care providers. That's too many duties for one person to have. That was not a series of programming techniques. He just simply had too much access. <laughs> So I worked on a case a long time ago and I was talking about it with a f investigator who was in town this week. And it was so funny because I said, when the case eventually came out in the news release by, you know, the uh, U S attorney's office, the FBI said it was a very complicated embezzlement case and oh my God, it so wasn't a complicated and they didn't even investigate it. We did it. It was like, it was an open bank account. That was all it was. And they're like, it was a very complicated embezzlement scheme. It's like, no, it wasn't. Checks went into the, you know, open bank account. It's just, it's the PR comms team. People are lazy. Feel better. It makes them feel better. Yeah. And I saw uh, Mark's hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and yeah, Mark says people are lazy. I tell you what, I thought it said people are crazy, which made it a whole lot more funny to me. Hal says he stole from a state agency to give to Robin Hood. <laughs> it's Yep. <laughs> you know what? I just wish I had a tenth of Hal's quickness. Um, mm -hmm. 
I have gotten you guys to be doing hashtags. How awesome is that? Come on. That is awesome. Now, Hal did say he worked too hard to get only 74K. Hal, I'm with you on that, man. I'm so with you on that. Pozo wants to know why he only stole 74K. Well, Well, and how long did it last? You know, I couldn't find how long this one lasted, but what I'm assuming, and you know what you do when you assume, but I'm assuming since it had to do with federal funds from the CARES Act, that it wasn't long because the CARES Act uh, was enacted, what, April last year, March or April of last year? Yep. So, so he didn't have time to do more, in other words. So we yeah. we could say this is a win that it was maybe caught in, in just over a year. But I don't know. I don't know if we could go that far to say any fraud is a win, right? Well, and you know, here's the other thing, too, though. Um the only reason I think he got caught is because he was a blabbermouth and told someone else who told on him. What's the old saying? Snitches get stitches. Right. But but no, seriously, um, if he had kept it to himself, he may have still been doing this because we still haven't caught the people who've done the other uh, CARES Act fraud and the other cases that we've talked about. Because what was it? Colorado said that they aren't even going to go after people. They aren't going to pursue it at all. So he may not have gotten caught if he hadn't run his mouth or shown up to work in that Tesla, like Kelly said. <laughs> well, you know, ego is a big part of it. I think ego is a big part of fraud, right, Kelly? And so I talk about the three character choices we all have in life. And the first one is the big me. And he seems like the perfect big me. He probably was bragging about it, right? So he let his ego uh, kind of get him caught. So I guess we can hope that uh, the big me's do get so big that they start talking about it. That could be a a good control. No, not a good control, but <laughs> but again, this is also like, come on, stealing from kids. Let's yeah, you know, kids and puppies, and it's just like these programs need the money. Like, this is such important. And, you know, not that we're not victim shaming here, but when you have a Fortune 50 company that gets ripped off versus the state and its tax dollars and the money's going to literally, like, you know, feed, clothe, support young kids, like, yeah. Yeah, I remember I brought up the uh, Florida Coalition on Domestic Violence a couple episodes again. To me, these are the worst because of the victims that need the money. That, you know, that in that case, the CEO was being paid like an extravagant eight million dollars or something over three years salary that she didn't need. Uh, But similar. Right. It's the money that needs to go to these to the kids, to the victims of domestic abuse like that. It makes it worse, I think, to all of us that have have a conscience. Now, Mark is continuing the hashtags. He said big mouths get caught. But Dan said go big or go home. I tell you what, I am so with you on that. And Hal has actually looked up the story, so I won't spoil it. Hal, Hal has dropped some stuff into the comments. So you guys know I hold back some and then I like to just, you know, tell the rest of the story. Who used to say that? I can't remember which news anchor used to say that. But anyway, Paul Harvey. yeah, that's right. So here's the rest of the story. So officials said that he was working uh, with that other person 
hoping to make investments in hope of in hopes of concealing his criminal activity so that he could launder the money. So he was he was planning on making back the money using Robin Hood investments. And I think they were thinking he was going to try and put the principal back and just make money off the interest or whatever. However, the affidavit does add that while officials were searching his home, they discovered what they call a, quote, clandestine marijuana grow. Now, did he take ownership of it? No. He said that it belonged to his son. So now he's thrown his son under the bus. Mm-hmm. Such great parenting. Oh, boy. Yeah, you got that right. And, and so like Hal said, he was arrested and charged with theft, computer fraud, bank fraud, money laundering, filing and maintaining false public records, malfeasance in office, criminal conspiracy and distribution slash manufacturing of scheduled one drugs. He was booked on $50,000 bond. But again, go big or go home and don't throw your son under the bus. I mean, for goodness sake, it really does make you wonder, was it his or his son's for real though? But, but yeah, um, just well, a mess. Is that saying the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? <laughs> well, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah, that is well, a very good point. I have an entire uh, slide on big me parenting just from uh, the college admissions scandal as a case study there, right? So yep. It really doesn't. We teach our children so much more of our values and our ethics than you can even imagine. And it's in your day-to-day activities. It's not when you even think you're doing it. So Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was reading Jacina's comment. She's right. Hydroponic equipment is expensive. Although you know what? I don't think they had hydroponic equipment. <clears throat> Just saying. <laughs> Move to Oregon. You can do it and that's not a charge. Right, it's legal oh, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I you like this, this. This Friday fraudster should be Family Friday fraudster because of the second story. This should Ooh. have been Family Friday fraudster. You know what? It should have been. Don't it? When I was coming up with my catchy titles, I didn't even think about that. So you it know- goes to show that Rob does all the work. <laughs> Well, I love this, Hal, um, what Hal's bringing up now, which is very sad when it yeah. comes to the system. So uh, Kelly could probably get on a soapbox about that. But <laughs> go ahead. $74,000 and Elizabeth's home, you know, swindling investors out of $400 million to $700 million. Yeah. It's, Again, uh, it's low hanging fruit. She's got lawyers and everything like that. Okay, this is total side story. I was talking to a attorney this week and he was giving um, the guy I was with a, pre- a surprise present and it's a Theranos coffee mug. And I was like, oh, I want it so bad. I think he might send it to me. If you're listening, I would really like it. Nice. <laughs> you, know what? you can buy it. It's all out there. Yeah. I know. I know. It was At so funny point, though. I refuse to do that, but... <laughs> At some point, that might actually be worth something. Oh, they're selling for kind of a lot. Yeah. There was a whole story, I think, in the Wall Street last week about all this stuff. Like a Theranos lab coat is really expensive. Just go make one. You know, let's just copy it. I mean, they just copied stuff. Oh, you know what? No one would be able to tell if it was an original or not anyway. Yeah. But but yeah, to your point, they did just copy stuff. So... There's our first story, Kitty Crimes. (sighs) 
You guys almost ready for the second one? Oh, I am because you know, this is another one of Kelly's soapboxes. Can I tease it? Well, you want to give an update as to what you're doing that everybody might be interested in, and then we can go and tease it. So let's see, Kelly, what are you working on? Still Great Women in Fraud, the podcast. And then um, this week I spoke, your brand is a CFE for the ACFE Global and got really great like conversations afterwards and conversations during about branding. A woman reached out to me today. She's like, I'm going out on my own. And so um, again, just follow Great Women in Fraud, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm just keeping the content going. All right, Joe. Um, I am going to plug our innovative auditor challenge that we are getting ready to do in one month and one day. Starts July 26th through July 30th. Uh, hear from great speakers like Rob and Trent Russell and Michelle Fowler. And then we have a surprise Friday speaker as normal. Uh, lots of good topics again. So look for uh, join our LinkedIn group. I'll put it in the chat. But join us for the Innovative Auditor Challenge, five CPEs for super cheap, 25 bucks. So we'll put the links in the comments. And this this one, the Friday guest, they don't want to miss, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So I've kind of already told you guys what I've been working on. So Friday Frosters, you can now get CPEs for it. Look for the solo podcast coming up from me. Don't forget about the Corporate Quitters, my other podcast, and your audit merch at auditguy.com for shirts like the lovely one that Joe has on today. I'm not going to belabor that point. Let's get back to it. Kelly, you want to tease this one. Here you go. Oh, my God. Lawyers. Thieving lawyers. Ah, um, Thieving husband and wife and a municipality and just all around fraud. So that's, yeah, thieving lawyers. So you heard that. Thieving lawyers. You know what? Before we jump to the next story, though, I got one more thing I want to show you guys on this one. So I found Dun and Bradstreet for the guy we just finished talking about. And if you look, Dun and Bradstreet had him listed as owning a company that was valued at $74,000. I thought that was odd. That is odd. Yeah, that's very, very odd. Like, where did that come from and how in the world did that happen? All right. So our next story, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> These two will really give Bonnie and Clyde a run for their money, though. So let's talk about this. So on June the 3rd, a federal grand jury in Lexington, Kentucky, returned an indictment charging Michael T. Hogan, age 53, and his wife, Joy in M. Hogan, age 41, with one count of conspiracy to commit fraud and charging Michael with nine counts of wire fraud and five counts of federal program theft. Everybody's stealing from the federal government, right? Now, listen now, you guys. Michael was, emphasis on the word was, was an attorney representing Lawrence County, Kentucky in legal matters. It is alleged that he took part in a scheme to pay his wife more than $365,000 in bonuses. His wife, Joy, was a legal secretary in his office. So here's, here's let, let's get down to the bottom of what his job really was. His job 
in Lawrence County was he was their attorney since 2003. So in addition, in addition to handling misdemeanor criminal cases, what county attorneys do is they carry out a number of functions that also include helping to collect delinquent taxes, collecting child support and advising the county on fiscal courts, uh, the, advising county fiscal courts on legal matters. So here's the nitty gritty for what he's accused of. It is alleged that they conspired to divert hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, from the county's delinquent tax collections account between March of 2013, get this, March of 2013, to April of 2020. Here's how they did it. Hogan and his wife set up a delinquent tax fund, but used the, a second delinquent tax fund, a second one, but used their home address and wrote scores of checks from the account to Joy. This is what the indictment said. Hogan falsely claimed that the checks were legitimate bonuses that did not benefit him personally. This is what the indictment said. Now, the couple, according to the indictment, used the money for their personal benefit, paying their mortgage, credit card bills, car loans and household expenses. And they made cash withdrawals. The extra money to Joy was supposed to be used for operating expenses for the county attorney's office. Joe, Kelly, what do you guys think? First, I just said, do you think it's a first or second wife? I'm going with second wife. She's 12 years younger. <laughs> That's terrible of me to even say that. I was thinking the same thing. Yes. Okay, good. And yes. I love that Mark asked if that's $1,000 a day just to be his wife. So now it just looks like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's paying her, paying to be his wife. <laughs> well, and thankfully, he actually ran for lieutenant governor in May of 2019, and yep. he was unsuccessful. So, you know, just think if he was lieutenant governor, how much he'd be stealing. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, this thing started, what did I say, in 2013? Wow. I love the fact that he is in complete denial. Like, this is, this is, I mean, the fact that you can even say I didn't have any personal gain out of it. Like, that's a blatant lie. Like, this is. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's a name for this. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends on what kind of marriage he had, right? Maybe what was his was his and hers and what was hers was hers. So the money. Was, sorry, yeah. that was a bad joke. But well, that, that was that was almost as good as Hal's joke. Right. He said, is there a jumping for joy joke in here somewhere? It, well, and his attorney is like, he's known him for 30 years and that he is honest, hardworking man. If Hogan made mistakes, okay, there's qualifiers. They did not involve dishonesty or criminal intent. I am confident in his integrity. Okay, lawyers, you know, you're all just protected. Like, come on. Just, I mean, I wish Don Raybon were here to like, you know, so confident in his integrity, you know, a hundred percent honest. Like these qualifiers are just. Well, they're, even, they're not even using qualify. Well, I guess the, if he made a mistake might be a qualify, but anyway, yeah. Oh. I, yeah. And this goes above and beyond just lawyers too. It goes right back to lawyers now combined with PR. Isn't that one in the same? <laughs> Oh no, I'm gonna start getting hate mail. I don't want hate mail. Yep, you are going to get hate mail at this point. Uh, now, Jacina asked a good question. How does a county with an approved budget not catch this? Okay, 
So this is where we get down to something really, really interesting. Um, it did kind of get caught. Uh, there was a state audit that was done. And the state auditors released a report in May of 2020 identifying the issues uh, that led to the investigation. Now, I will say I've actually read the audit report. It's actually going to be a topic of discussion on my solo show because it was quite interesting because I think they missed the critical issue. They caught the problem of what was happening, but they didn't do a root cause analysis. They missed the critical issue that should have been addressed in that audit report. So anyway, that. There's a surprise there. So, yeah, an audit kind of did catch it, but it wasn't necessarily internal auditors. State auditors in almost every state, they do what's called operational audits. And it it really is an audit of the operations. And they primarily focus on cash and cash equivalents and then those uh, tangible assets. So this was kind of a no brainer when you saw two different accounts for delinquent taxes and then one of them probably didn't have growth in income in it. And then the other one. Well, if they actually got the statements, you know, so it had their address. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the typical we've been talking about this on payroll audits, like what to check for and data analytics. Right. We're going to sound like a broken record, but it went directly to their address. Yep. Well, they didn't want to get in their nice car and drive to the post office box. They're lazy. Like who said earlier, lazy, 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 lazy. Yeah, that was Mark that said that earlier. Now, Mark also says Kelly has investigator bias. <laughs> uh, it's just it's hot. It's over 90 degrees. Sorry, I'm not I'm not 100 percent. Now, Hal says he should run again. He might be more successful. He got second. This time. The winner was like 52.4 and he was like number two at 39 point something. So it's not like he was way down. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. All right. All right. Before before we get too far into the jokes, let, let's let's talk about this one. This is just like all the others, right? We had some people that set up a bank account and then diverted the statements to their home. Now, at the same time, what this also tells us, though, is no one was reconciling those bank accounts because presumably the money was on the ledger. I mean, if you actually set up a bank account somehow you probably set it up in your system of record in order to divert the payments into this bank account, you know, because they weren't collect. Well, in some cases they were collecting the money. Never mind. I saw that in somewhere else in another report, but they weren't always collecting the money. So the bank account existed on the books. If someone were reconciling that bank account, they would have asked for the bank statement at some point in time. So at some point, there was a breakdown in the bank reconciliation process. But also, like Joe just said, data analytics would have got this because you want to always take your employees home addresses, bump them up against your payroll records to see if multiple uh, payroll checks are going out, bump them up against your accounts payable records. And when I say bump them up against, I mean, compare them to. Right. And then look at any other things that you have where there are addresses for vendors, customers, clients, etc. That doesn't take that long to do once it's set up. Well, it seems like she probably was the one responsible for the bankruptcy. Oh, you might, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So I guess yeah. that, I mean, you know, she probably wasn't doing them, but I mean, again. Yeah. But even if she was doing them, would she write herself up for having the bank right. account? <laughs> it's a family affair, right? Wasn't that an old song? Yeah, it's a family affair. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh boy. I think um, what really bothered me the maybe not the most, but the fact that this was allowed from an HR perspective. I, I mean, maybe I'm uh, going way into a, a category we don't want to get into, but I mean. Oh no! Keep going. Husbands and wives working for each other seems to be such a something that went away, went away a long time ago. Why was this lingering in this state government? Like, I mean, I, I guess that's one of my questions. And now you're getting to the root cause that I said the auditors missed in that report. Yeah. I'll go ahead and give some of it away, but conflicts of interest, right? Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. What was the process? Okay, let's just back up to this. Conflicts of interest in and of them themselves are not bad. You can always put a process in place to one, identify and two, monitor what's happening when there is a conflict of interest. I actually do training courses on conflicts of interest on how to evaluate the process and how to set up a good process. Call me if you need to have some sort of training on that, Kentucky. Um, so, yeah conflict of interest was, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. Conflicts of interest are not a bad thing, but if it exists, then you need to have some mitigating controls in place to ensure that you're monitoring that activity so that stuff like this does not happen. And we're going to get to the comments in just a minute because our jokesters are having a field day on this one. Joe, Kelly, what do you guys think? Conflicts of interest. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess my mind goes to related parties too. Uh, it's just disclosure that was required, uh, you know, in as standard standards of conduct. Like, where are the standards of conduct? I, I mean, there is, there clearly isn't. Maybe Dan said government. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. But um, yeah, I. And can I just say, I love the fact that you're doing a solo on this whole idea that they might have caught it, but they didn't do enough. Because we've talked about this. But my favorite thing to say is auditors need to stop catching as much and start coaching. And that is exactly, I mean, that's, that's exactly what, I mean, I know you agree. That's what they need to do. 100%. Coaching for permanent solutions to this instead of just catching it and throwing it in a report. So I'm sure you'll go down that path. So I hear uh, what you have on your solo podcast about it. Oh, this one was quite interesting. Like I said, I read the audit report and I was just like, yeah, but, 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 but yeah. hey, so what say you, Kelly? Like Mark just said, I, I bet everybody knew about it. Like, and, and I'm going to say that maybe people were scared to, you know, try to do anything about it. Well, so, heck yeah, they were scared. He was the county attorney in charge of traffic yeah. court and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I mean, conflict of interest, there's a lot of things going there, but like, you know, people also are scared to come forward once it's like this. Yeah. I was just, like I said, I was working with an investigator this week and we we're talking about crazy old cases and everything. And it's like, yeah, so-and-so knows someone and they're going to find out about the, you know, indictment before everyone else finds out about the indictment. It just, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it it seems crazy to me, but it happens daily. It's, like, it's culture, right? I mean, nobody is going to speak up if it's the way it's always been. If it's everybody does it, it's culture, it's mentality. It's you know, it, obviously, 
Um, it's look the other way, right? Like we can say lots of stuff about this one. Hey guys, while we're here, I think we need to work on getting Mark a raise. Mark says, hey, hey, I work for my wife. But then he also said he hasn't gotten paid in seven years. And then he said his payment is fun. So Mark, we're going to try and work to get you a raise. Who do we write our petition to? <laughs> well, yeah, are you, um, Mark, are you doing joint tax returns? <laughs> oh. Now, Hal said, you mean nepotism should not be allowed? Ah, oh, come on, Hal. Nepotism isn't that bad. The family that works together steals together. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that was a bad one, right? I know. I know. Now, Hal says he was stealing child support payments. Do you think he's got any moral compass? Hal, this man was stealing a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what? That is the other part of the story. Thank you, Hal. There were a couple more things. Um, so what he was doing with that, with the child support payments, was he was uh, he billed an average of 65 hours during one uh, time period. But. He had only worked a small fraction of those hours. And I don't know how they were able to determine that. But the other thing he did was the money that he got, he paid it to his employees and his law firm. So let's get a couple of things straight here now. So he had a job working for the city as the city attorney or the county attorney. But then he also had his own private law firm where he had employees. So what he did was he did work for the city at a set number of hours. But according to the allegation, he lied about those hours. He worked fewer hours, but then he also paid those funds directly instead of taking it himself to his employees in his private law firm. So that was the other thing he did. And there's one other thing that he did, too. Uh, so so anyway. So, so what do you guys think about that? I just put in the comments who wants to bet he is not disbarred. He might be sanctioned. Ah. How long or how long is it going to take to get disbarred? I, well, he, he may be given an award for the creativity. He may not be disbarred. He may. Bad. I think I've said before, the highlight of my customs career was getting a woman attorney disbarred and sent to prison. But it took a lot. The guy's like, you can't have both. You can't disbar her and send her to prison. I'm like, she stole $2.4 million. Yeah. He's like, take one or the other. And I'm like, no, I'm taking both. Yeah. Huh. Her defense attorney is like, you're ruining her. You're getting her disbarred and sending her to prison. And I'm like, yeah, imagine that. I bet he would say the same thing that this lawyer said, that she was a good, honest person, full of integrity, who never used this money for their personal gain, yet he was paying his employees with it. Lies, lies, lies. Now, Hal said, I guess, wait, no, Hal said, Giuliani could be his lawyer, but then again, not. But look yeah, at how Giuliani, long that Well, for those who don't know, Giuliani just got disbarred, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Mark says, I guess that was his way of laundering the funds. Yeah. That was rationalization of I'm going to take it to pay other people, maybe. I don't well, yeah, and you know, in in the uh, in the in the um, indictment, that is part of what he was saying. He said that, uh, and I I can't find it right now, but he was saying that he wanted to give those funds 
to hardworking people because they deserved it. Now he gave what a couple hundred thousand to his wife. So who are those hardworking people? Because he directly benefited if his wife benefited, I'm thinking. But okay, that it, that's a weird one. But yeah, that's exactly what he said, you guys, is that he, he wanted to give the funds to those people that he felt deserved it because they were hardworking people. Yeah, I think uh, it all goes back to the PR, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's how you they want people to see him. They're, they're trying to portray him in a certain light, obviously. So this is where we as auditors and, and humans just hope that the data and the facts prevail. The evidence prevails, but. So like making this a teaching experience, so which we do every week, but um, <laughs> the whole idea of, he says he's working 65 hours a week. Okay, every county should be looking and saying like, okay, or 65 hours a month, um, you know, is it six minute increments like private sector? Is it hour increments? Is it like, let's take this again, this is why I love auditors and learn from it. And so it should be a case study for every county that, you know, farms out legal work. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, too, when it comes to these counties and these small municipalities, and I said this, I think, two episodes ago, most of them either don't have internal audit functions or what they do is they'll put out these RFPs and they'll, they will hire CPA firms to do internal audit work, two totally separate disciplines, um, and they won't have enough audit coverage. And it doesn't take much to spot some of this. If you've been in our field for just a short period of time, like five minutes, you look for segregation of duties, you take a look at the cash, take a look at the physical assets. Then you take a look at computer security, which most of these uh, state audit entities don't do or don't do well because they have separate entities that do IT audit versus those that do everything else. Whereas if you understand both IT and operations, you're in and you're looking at that segregation of duties because everything we've looked at has been computer systems being set up wrong. But you know what? I love our audience because Jacina, getting disbarred just means switching careers to politics. So I have something that I, I want the audience to, you know, talk about. Would you ever go now from a personnel, personnel, you know, HR system that has an audit trail to removing the audit trail? Is there, ever re is there ever a reason to go backward, to remove the audit trail? Like as, yeah, I, it, this is an investigation I'm familiar with. And it's like, because they got caught doing something in the personnel system, they've just decided to remove the audit trail. Like, I can't believe technology even lets you remove the audit trail these days. It's a huge step backwards. I don't even know what to say to that. That's great. <laughs> like, is this, is this a real question she's asking right now? Yes. Yes, it's a real question in a real case, and they have decided to go backwards and remove the audit system. Since I'm speechless in this moment, we'll just go straight to how. How else can you steal, Kelly? Right. In this case, it's not stealing. It's messing with people's employee personnel records, and they don't want people to know that they're going in. 
because there's a trail. Every time you go into the electronic record, it shows who went in at what time, if they added, subtracted, viewed, whatever. And now they've removed that. What's the with them? With them? What's what's in it for them? Like what? Are, what are what part of the CYA? It's CYA. Huh. There's lawsuits. Uh, and they want to they want to say that they didn't go in and add things, and you can't prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Now Mark says this is done by leaders that don't want to get caught or have bad behavior in their empire. Now I do agree with that, but but to Kelly's bigger point, what information system? would be designed to allow you to do that. Now, there's always a super user in all systems that probably does have that authority. But typically, IT guys, this is just my experience of IT guys, they usually have high moral standards or none at all, right? So so usually they are the, 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 the model citizen or they're out there hacking and stealing away at everything. Uh, and I say that, to, and of course, I'm overgeneralizing, but... I think an IT guy would actually quit before they would actually do that. Most of the ones that I know, uh, they would they would quit the job before they would allow that to happen in their system because that's what they say. This is my system. They take huge ownership and pride in what they do. So um, I w- I would second that. Agree with that. But it might be the case where they own too much of the system. So again, you've got another call it segregation of duties because you've got business areas that probably shouldn't be owning their own system and making coding changes and doing things because that's where this happens again. That's why I see a good IT and ITGC program as, you know, a necessary control. So, or, you know, anyway. And then um, Joe, said when, <laughs> Joe says in the chat, <laughs> that's like shredding documents. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Can no. I, can I just, um, on, can I uh, insert a fun shredding the documents a thing, story? So this really has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's where my mind was going. But um, McKenzie, we all know McKenzie, the big consulting firm, uh, did some work for Purdue Pharma. You guys know that I do an ethics and opioid case study. And um, I blogged about this because I just couldn't believe that this was still happening, although I know it's still happening on the shredding documents. So anyway, they consulted with Purdue Pharma on uh, telling them some of the tactics they needed to use to avoid um, getting hammered in the opioid crisis. So they were basically trying to CYA for their client on you know, how not to get in trouble some tactics they could use to get Walgreens to distribute more of their drugs and all of this stuff. So they were doing pretty sensitive work. Uh, and there are internal emails from one McKenzie partner to another saying, hey, is this something we should be talking to the risk department about? Maybe something we need to be doing about this other than shredding the document? That is a specific quote in this um, case. Is that not crazy? Like, I just, I, it baffled me. You know, it baffles me not only are they doing work to help clients defend an unethical position, but that's a whole nother side note. I mean, this is why I love the job we do because we get to pick the clients that we work for. Um, and, and people that work at McKinsey, they probably just get the clients they get. But on top of that, they're now saying, hey, is there anything else we should be doing about this? Should we talk to the risk group or, you know, other than shredding the documents? Anyway. Crazy side so, 
little fun fact. It is harder to get a job at McKinsey than to get into Harvard. Whoa. So the cream of the crop. And to think that these are the cream of the crop and they're sending emails like that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go with stupid. Like yeah. I, I just, and I put in the, um, I put in the comments, there's a book out about the Sackler family mm-hmm. and it's, he's a great writer. He just, my husband just read another book from his and they call this writer who did this book, um, the new uh, John Krakauer. So I haven't read the book yet, but he's an amazing writer. My husband loves his writing. And yeah, so just FYI. Is it, do you have it, Joe? I don't have it, but I just was going to grab my book on the same topic. Because I think I've yeah. this before for those of you that follow me. And Beth Macy is an awesome journalist. And yeah. I always say auditors need to be more like investigative journalists. Because yep. they look at these high risk areas and topics. They look at the touchy stuff. We need to be doing more of that. Um, so I'm going to check this one out, though. Thanks, Kelly. But yeah. yeah. All right. So Marcus said, but then w- w- the comment that I made earlier about IT people having integrity, he said, but you're saying, Robert, that they have more moral courage than all the other people that see what's going on, but say nothing. Yes, that's kind of what I'm saying. IT people are very territorial about their systems and they usually have high morals and ethics. Uh, and Hal you says have, that, have an FU fund. Yeah, exactly. Hal says that Skilling from Enron uh, was a McKinsey alum. I didn't know that. Thanks, Hal. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's insane. All right. So as we start to wind down, because I know Joe and Kelly have somewhere to be at the top of the hour, there is one last thing to say about this particular case. So in Kentucky, there was another case in another county. Now, in the other case, a former office manager of the Child Support Enforcement Office in Boyd County, Mary E. Pickett. She's actually pleaded guilty to embezzling money. She was sentenced to three years in prison and ordered to pay $126,313, according to a court record. So whatever the weakness is in their system of internal controls there, it is widespread. It was not just that one county. But what happened was this audit opened up several investigations. These were two or two, at least two investigations. This one that we're talking about and the one with uh, Mary. So if it's happening in these two places, it's probably happening in other places. If we do a root cause analysis and see what control is broken that allows this, then you stop it system wide, not just these one offs when an audit occurs. Let's do root cause analysis, internal auditors and state agencies. Stop putting Band-Aids on big problems. Fix the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. So that is our Friday fraudster for this week. We had Kitty Crimes and we had Bonnie and Clyde. You can catch us on your favorite podcasting platform. If you want CPE credit for last week's episode, you can get it and you can get it now. If you want CPE credit for this week's episode, meaning the one that you're watching right now, give me until tomorrow or Sunday and you'll be able to get CPE for that as well. Any other last words, Kelly or Joe? Nope. Have a great day. As usual. See you guys next week. See ya.